Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kauli. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kauli, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kauli. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Adam Adams. Uh, welcome to the show, Adam. I appreciate you taking time today. Thank you, Scar. Awesome. So Adam is with Real Spruce Holdings, and he's done several multifamily deals. Uh, his background starts way back in 2005, and uh, he's done uh, more than five syndications so far, raised uh, just over $8 million, uh, actually. And Today, we are going to dig in into his story, and he's got some fascinating tips uh, which are applicable right today as to how we do digital marketing, use social media, and things of that nature. So I appreciate you taking time today, uh, Adam. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, please give us a background. Uh, pretty much, you know, that's where we get started. Uh, tell us how you came around. Uh, what was your real estate background like? Awesome. I will, I will share that. And first off, just really, really thanks for having me. And um, one, one thing is whatever we talk about today, you know, whatever we talk about social media, whatever we talk about branding, whatever we talk about like growing your business or writing copy, it's not the normal things that you hear. I just want to make sure that, that people that are like, oh, I get it. I've, run, I've done copy I, I, or I don't want to do social media will absolutely be giving you a twist today because the things we do are, are so unique. They put our meetup group, my meetup group in the top 1% of 1% of 1%. So I have a worldwide, world famous meetup. It's top six out of 225,000. So just when we give you these strategies, it's not going to be what just the top 1% are doing. It's like we're going to give you what the top 1% of 1% are doing. So it's awesome, strange, awesome. unique things. So where did I get started? I, I am from Utah. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I grew up with a, a father who was, um, uh, my stepdad did, he, he was always in real estate. So like when, when my mom met him, right. Um, I remember he already had a fourplex the day that we met him and he was, or I think it was, maybe it was a duplex. Um, forgive me. Right. He had a duplex the day we met him and a bunch of land everywhere because he, he mm -hmm. used something called tax deeds. So that's, yeah. that's just how I grew up. Right. I mm -hmm. grew up with a dad who was a contractor who put all of the, his extra money somewhere else. And that's, that's really what I teach too. I make the most amount of active money you can and just get it working for you. Get it sure. out and passive sure. uh, until you don't have to do the active anymore and, and you can let the passive go into more passive. But right. I, I learned this from my dad. And um, in 2005, you, you already mentioned that, I was in university and um, I was going to school for music education. So I used to write symphonies when I was a young, uh, young kid, and, and uh, it, was, it was my big passion. It was my big love. I just wanted to teach people how to do that. And, mm -hmm. um, and now I teach people more like real estate stuff. But awesome. I From remember, music to real estate. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So, so I, it was 2005, 
I bought a piece of land because my dad basically made me buy it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in, and I, here I was like almost about to graduate with my music education degree. Mm-hmm. And I sell that. I sold that two years later in 2007 Mm-hmm. And I made a stupid return. Like it was uh, 8,333% on my money. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> I'm not doing that these days. I, I wish I could continue. But by the way, that was a good time to exit because we all know what happened right after. <laughs> yes, you are absolutely right. So I, all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I only put in, you know, a few hundred bucks. I made several thousand dollars. And sure. And so there's a lot of power to this. So I said, I'm going to do what my dad does and I'm going to get into real estate. So 2007, made a, a bunch of money uh, off of just a piece of land that, that I, I held on to for two years. And, and that was really what got me thinking about real estate. That was really what got me deciding that this is what I needed to do. And, um, and so that year in 2007, I said, I don't want to keep going to school for music ed. Mm-hmm. So I graduated with an education degree, but not, I didn't like, I would have had to take a lot of extra music um, history classes. So I just, I pulled out. And so that's kind of like where it all started. And I read, I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but not, sure. but not until after I did that. Right. So I, I, I read that. And then I'm a big proponent of uh, do what people do, not necessarily what they tell you. So Robert Kiyosaki kind of was saying, you know, get into single family. This is how you flip. Mm-hmm. This is a rental is good. Cash flow is good. Right. Um, this, is, this is what he was teaching, you know, how to get people started into real estate. But then when I started actually studying him, he, he never did single family. Like he... Right he literally had been doing uh, syndication the since the beginning. Absolutely. And so I was like, huh. So, so he never, he never had a single family rental, but he's like teaching people how, but like what he really did was this and he's super wealthy and famous. So I just, that, that was when I decided I got to get into multifamily. So just like uh, to kind of bring the story all the way through um, to, it was 2007 that I started managing property for a year and then 2008, yes, right before it, the crash hit hit me, mm-hmm. um, I bought my first uh, multifamily, just a small multifamily. And I kind of did what they call house hacking. I lived in the multifamily. Mm-hmm. I had tenants that lived in the other units and um, they paid for more than paid for my mortgage. So that was really my first step toward it, mm-hmm. uh, managing it, then owning it. And then Several years later, um, or talking 2017, um, is when I said, you know what, I'm instead of just owning like real estate, like small multifamilies, I'm going to start syndicating bigger ones because sure. I just felt like it, we needed to scale. So that's where where we got started was 2017, and you mentioned it before. We've raised uh, about eight million dollars and with our partners and closed on. I, I'm closed on. So far, seven hundred and seventy units, and That's and we're just trying we're just trying to keep keep growing and uh, asset, manage the assets as best as we can. Awesome, awesome. And uh, one thing I love about your story there, Adam, is that I think your dad motivating you to do something and you bought the first land. Uh, I mean, I cannot t- tell you enough how unique that is because 
uh, as we all know, many a times it is our friends or family that is saying, oh, don't do this, don't do that. Oh, they lost so much money and all that. So that fear of taking the risk or going to that next level. But here you are as an exception who comes out, you know, boom, buys land and at a ridiculous uh, profit, you exit out of it. There's nothing like, you know, having the first deal propel you forward. Uh, that's that's awesome. And that that that's got to be a unique story by itself, because, you know, as I said, um, you know, having that family support behind you that propels you forward. I think that's going to get you through a lot of tough times as well, which is which is incredible. I love it, actually. Uh, so t- tell us, Adam, like uh, how you came about, like what was your first deal like? Like how many units, uh, you know, what were your sort of takeaways from it? Like how many units was that? The first in? syndication? The first uh, syndication? Sure, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 17? Okay. All right. So that is, I still, we still own it. Um, it's 16 units, right? Um, mm-hmm. $1.2 million. So uh, the first thing that I'll mention is something that is valuable to anyone listening or getting uh, into the business. And, and it just think about the purchase price is very, very important. Okay. Right. If, I, if I buy this at 1.2, and if I get an 80-20 loan, what that is technically meaning is I'm, I have a 960 loan, which means right. that it's under a million, mm-hmm. which means that I have to have a recourse loan. Correct. So just the first learning lesson today is, is, is you, don't, you shouldn't have a recourse loan. There's no reason to do it. Sure, so sure. bigger is better. So we made that mistake. We bought a smaller property. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a recourse loan. We signed on the loan. Go ahead. I was just going to say that for our young listeners who may not understand the technicalities were of what a recourse loan versus non-recourse is. So give us in 10, 10 seconds how the, how the, how, how okay. exactly is that? Yeah, well, um, this isn't a perfect uh, um, you know, definition, but sure. the difference is if it's recourse, that means if something bad happens at the property, they're going to they're gonna take the property and they're going to go after me because I signed sure. on the loan. Mm-hmm. On a non-recourse loan, it's a little bit different. They're going to take over the property, but they don't have recourse to go after me personally. They just absolutely they, they secure the property and and they're done. Absolutely, and and, and discounting some other uh, visa clauses where you know there's no fraud and things like that. Non-recourse yeah. typically is hands off. So uh, go ahead. So uh, go ahead with you with, with what you're saying with the thought. Okay, so we, we purchased a 1.2 property. Uh, loan was 960, uh, and which means it was recourse. Uh, and um, it's a smaller property. It's in, an, it's in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. And Bridgeport, Connecticut is very far away from Denver. If you're watching the video, you can see Denver Absolutely. behind me. <laughs> so, um, and it's also um, a state where, um, where it's not landlord friendly. Right. So, you know, we learn a lot on, on that first deal. Um, so the second thing to learn from this, if, if you're new and you're getting into it, is that it's heavily preferred for you to uh, purchase property in a place where it's landlord friendly versus tenant friendly. Um, you know, Bridgeport, Connecticut, very, very tenant friendly. Um, and it's very close to Manhattan. Um, and so if you can kind of uh, visualize that, it's like an 88-minute right. train ride to get to Manhattan. Absolutely. 
a lot of people commute from there. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and so other cities in Connecticut are shrinking. Like as we record this anyway, I, I can't say 10 years from now, but right now as, 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 it, as it goes, there's uh, net out migration. Okay. So the net of Connecticut is people moving out. There is, there is one city where it's a net positive migration. That's the only reason why we uh, chose to go ahead and buy that one. Mm-hmm. is Bridgeport. Okay. So we, it's because we have two universities right there. Um, there's a lot of gentrification and it's super, super close comparatively uh, to be able to get to Manhattan and be able to work. Like you said, people are commuting. Right. So that's kind of the market that we're looking at. The property itself, when we purchased it, we, what we liked about it is that our rents were around 800. Uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a year and a day since we closed on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't remember specifically, but it was either 860 per unit or 890 per unit, but it was mm-hmm. just under 900 right. and market is 1100. So, wow. so it, it is, it, you know, we, we felt really good about that. Um, so we went ahead and pu- purchased it. Um, now that kind of just brings us into the next thing that we can learn from this deal is um, we, it was so small that we can't hire like a, a big company to manage it. Absolutely. And we can't, we shouldn't have somebody on site. On either. site. There's okay. no economies of scale like that. Yes. For sure. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So, so here's, here's what happened bad to us as a result of, of not having those things. We had a property manager that we took over. They used to manage the property for the other owner. Right. And they became our employee. We ended up hiring them as, yeah. a, as an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would manage our properties. Now, they, they didn't do a lot of um, their, their reporting is bad or was bad. We fired them. Mm-hmm. Their, their reporting was bad or terrible. And, um, and the worst thing about it is like um, when they hired and you, they became a project manager because it wasn't a nice big company that right. you can hire, right? right? They they allowed or maybe didn't pay attention to um, the handyman coming into the unit and saying, you've got mold in the bathroom. Oh. And, and so what you should do, hopefully everybody knows this, is you should rip out all of the mold. Sure. You should treat all the studs. Absolutely. And then you rebuild it new, right? Correct. That's the normal way. So right. what they did is they actually put drywall over top of, uh, of moldy drywall, just screwed it in, repainted it, and, um, and created more of a problem. And we didn't find this out until after we fired them. And so, so there, was some, there was some issues. There was some issues for us to, you know, like all of a sudden cash flow has gone. Um, they weren't paying all of the utility bills. So uh, our new manager took over and, you know, day one, there's a notice on the door that says, um, you know, we're going to shut off your water because you haven't paid in some time. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we, we're, you know, getting over all of this. We're fixing all this. She, she was our manager for seven months mm-hmm. and, um, and we closed it just over a year ago. So, so, Right now, we are, we are working on making sure that we can um, get this property really to turn around. Um, 
the right way. The, this property manager charges more than the old property manager because he's doing a great job. I know, I know. Uh, so uh, that's a little bit just, of, yep, go I was, ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say that, Adam, is that I think doing it the right way, as you rightfully said there, is an absolutely a way to go in these kind of things. Like when there's water and old type of construction, you don't want to mess with it. You want to probably go to the gold standard where you're removing all of this shower surround, if that's the case here, right? I mean, use these modern cement boards as your backing. And, uh, you know, if you're going all the way, it's like pretty much gutting the whole bathroom, use probably that green drywall. I mean, that's what we do. We will like completely, uh, you know, get rid of it you know, have new GFIs, uh, you know, have the cement boards, like new tiles and things like that. I mean, all of our portfolio actually here is like all class A renovations uh, with that, this kind of stuff. Because as you rightfully said, I mean, some of these buildings don't have exhaust and things of that nature. So when someone takes a bath, all those, uh, you know, uh, hot water fumes build up. And slowly the water condensation just stays there. And next thing you know is you have mold in the ceiling and surround and things like that. So it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's a tough issue. I mean, so, uh, so how are you making out now? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so we're in, we just kind of started the transition this quarter. And so, uh, you know, we, we were paying out pretty good on it. And then we'll probably have a couple months where it's just, we, it's, it's going back to repositioning. So we are working on it. We'll have to we'll have to do another interview later on it to really um, know where it goes. But <laughs> but we're anticipating like this quarter and next quarter probably um, keeping the cash flow with us. Awesome the cash flow so we can grow. Go go it's, through it. Go through it. I know. Yeah. I know. I absolutely. I mean, these are the challenges or hidden things that sometimes uh, don't get talked about. But I'm glad this came up. And this is one of my pet peeves where I say that you gotta know the construction experience. You gotta know because once you get in and you are in that tough spot where you are trying to, you know, raise capital or you didn't budget for some of these things because you know, paint and carpet, you can fix it. But some of these inherent issues that come with, uh, was this more like a downtown C-class type of building, uh, Adam, in your case? Uh, it's not necessarily downtown, but, okay. uh, but, it, but I, would, I would call it a, a C-plus asset. I see. I see. And that's, that's typically what happens is you'll see older plumbing that's clogged up or sometimes, God forbid, you get drain pipes that are cracked and things like that. And you see these issues, uh, I mean, predominantly in such older buildings. But let me shift gears, Adam, that I know you got started. You have been raising capital in a big way. You are uh, using cutting edge techniques uh, of marketing, uh, you know, whether it's meetups, using social media and things like that. So uh, please take away, like uh, give us some tips uh, uh, as to how we can uh, segue into it. Oh sure, what I would what I would say is one of the one of the better things about what I'm doing is is I'm letting people know what I'm doing, and and that I hope that just kind of resonates. With, with, if you're listening right now, doing the business is great, and and you should do the business, and you should do well at the business. Uh, but the difference is uh, there's a lot of people that are really hidden or tucked away, or they don't want anyone to know. Uh, but if you're syndicating, people have to know. People have to see you. People have to, you know, invite you on their podcast. People have Absolutely. to be able to passively invest. So you need to be invited to speak places. And right. if you want to kind of grow that brand, if you want to kind of grow who you 
are as an investor in front of other investors. There's so much noise right now. There's so many different passive investors right now. Right. You've, you've got to find a way to let people know what you're doing. And I prefer uh, one of two ways to do that. I, I like my Facebook, my own personal Facebook, and just, you know, you'll, you'll make posts of, of what you're doing, you know, with your kids, you'll make posts of what you're doing with your meals, and you make posts of what you're doing with your work. And you'll make posts of, of how to add content to others, right? right. So that's kind of some of what, what I do there. And it's not just that you post. Uh, right. If you can find a way to kind of hack into the Facebook's algorithm, to kind of work against it so that you can be put in front of more people, that'd be a benefit. And I can share a few tips on that. I was just going to say that if you could go a little bit uh, granular into what to do exactly, it's just not a mere post. Sometimes it used to be picture, but from what I understand now, you go the more the video route and go, go, go into all of that, please. Okay. Yeah. No, you're right about videos, uh, except for one thing that needs to be really brought out. If you're like posting a YouTube link, mm -hmm. uh, that's, not, that's not a video. Uh, even though it's a video, it's not right. a video for these purposes. Because if you're posting a video, why Facebook likes that is if people are watching that video, it holds them on Facebook for a long amount of, longer bit of time, right? Right, right. But if, if you're posting a YouTube, it takes people away from Facebook and puts them on YouTube. So Facebook Correct. doesn't want that. They want them to be here. Right. So it's good if you're posting a video, but just be cautious that you're not like just posting a link of some other video on a different site sure. where they have to really redirect themselves to watch it. Right. And where it, I think, matters also is that you're kind of, uh, uploading your actual video content on YouTube uh, or, or rather I should say Facebook. And yep. that's where, uh, you know, the magic is that it's uploaded right on Facebook. So yes. the viewer is watching it is right there on Facebook itself. So what other techniques they should use uh, within that? Uh, yeah, some of my, I mean, I have like a whole raising money course that really dives sure. into branding yourself, right. um, you know, which it's 13 different weeks of, of content. So wow. mm -hmm. it'd be hard to go through all of it. But, right. you know, just kind of one of the things that, that you should know if you're, if you're wanting to get involved into this is people need to engage with the post. Uh, so that you always talk, you always hear you know post engagement post engagement post interaction mm -hmm. keeping people on facebook keeping them engaged and uh you know the the worst way to do that is to tell someone what you're doing mm -hmm. and the best way to do them do that to keep them engaged is to ask them questions mm -hmm. so I, I i feel like most of the people that post tell too much and they mm -hmm. don't ask enough does that makes sense. Makes sense. Makes complete sense. Like you, you create a post or a video, and hey, did you like it, or what did you think about it, or things of that nature? Where I think you're asking for feedback. Uh, uh, is that is that sound about right, Adam? That's a good. That's a good way. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can just think like, let's just say when you close on a deal. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, we're talking about growing your brand, so you want people to know that you closed on a deal. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you just say close on another 100 unit. That can be good because there's going to be few people harding it and liking it because they're sure. like, oh, that's cool. He closed on 100 units. But you're not adding value to anyone at all. How does that help somebody? Right. You know, that literally only helps you. And when you're on Facebook or whatever, this can be used on LinkedIn. This could be probably be used on any platform. But sure. the, the point is, 
if you just post close on a hundred unit, mm -hmm. that's one thing. But if you can say, you know, hey, if you want to know how I raised the money for this 100 unit, comment below. Can you imagine the difference? Oh like, my God! Yes, awesome. Yep. One one way one way you you might get a hundred likes, and the other way you'll get a hundred comments and three hundred likes. Right, and absolutely, people are more like, please tell me about it and things like that. And uh, does that become more like your funnel where you perhaps maybe uh, tell people that hey, maybe get this free report and things like that, where uh, you are kind of taking them into that next step where. Uh, you are maybe perhaps asking them uh, like email, phone number, any type of contact information where you can, uh, you know, perhaps add them to your mailing list for future marketing purposes. Would that, would that uh, be kind of a segue where you would take them into? Yeah, Sakar, you're going into the next level, aren't you? I love it. <laughs> I love it. No. So, yeah. So, so it's, if you're going to raise money, you, you need to put people on your list. Sure. And so, you know, how to do that. And again, this is like really, really defined out in the course. It is a paid course, just FYI, but this is like super laid out in that. But I see. Mm -hmm. then we try to like just on the spot, give you a little bit of content here that will be super valuable. Mm -hmm. um, let's just say that you have a target audience mm -hmm. and you're, let's, for argument's sake, your target audience is the person who's going to passively invest in your deal. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so that's who you want. And so now you ask yourself, what, is, what does he or she want? And um, what they want is, let's just say they want tax benefits. And just right. for argument's sake, let's say pick, pick a thing that someone wealthy would want. They would want tax benefits. And um, now, so what you might be able to do is, is just write a paper on your website or write something uh, where you can have a PDF. And then you just say, hey, if you want, I, I can, let me tell you, I wrote this thing of 10 tax benefits. Let me, let me tell you three of them. And then sure. you, you give them a good content, give them a good content, give them a good content. And then you say, hey, if you want all 10, uh, go here. You know, sure. give me your email and I'll email you the PDF. Sure. Or, you know, you can automate this stuff as well. Mm -hmm. But just let's just say, give me your email and, I'll, and I will, um, I'll literally give you the PDF of all 10. And so that way it's a short content. People are impressed. They, they want to work with you. They'll say, yeah, I'll take the other 10 mm -hmm. because it applies to me. Sure. And then, yeah, just like you said, Scar, you could put their, um, you could get their email, their name, and just put it in your database for mm -hmm. potential passive investors. That's a great way to do it. And then you can remarket to them, maybe send them, send them an email, let's just say mm -hmm. next week that just says, hey, I thought of an 11th. I thought of an 11th way to, to save on taxes. Mm -hmm. And you know, you like, you give them three, you, then you give them a 10 and then you just email them randomly a week later and say, Hey, Hey, there's an 11th and 12th way that uh, I never thought about. Let me, let me tell you about those right here in this email. And then awesome. that, that can be a really good way to kind of just stay with them. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So now uh, speaking of uh, social media, Adam, uh, I know you have Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, let's say Snapchat, Instagram, and things like that, right? Uh, could you maybe give us uh, a sort of a uh, under the hood overview of why a LinkedIn, which is, you know, associated more in that professional realm of things, right? Versus Facebook, which is, you know, like more in the social context where probably, you know, a lot of uh, other uh, like household people are also involved, right? Uh, could you maybe tell us what those 
those sort of high level differences are and why uh, you know anybody should be across uh, the sector of all of these uh, mediums yes yeah i'll i'll do my best here to just kind of sum it up but uh, on linkedin um there's an average net worth of uh, or income level per year of above a hundred thousand. So that, mm-hmm. that like, that's a, that's at least that was a statistic, statistic a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the average income of, of somebody who's on LinkedIn is above a hundred thousand. So that that's, I don't think it's the same on Facebook, you know, sure. the average on Facebook might be 40,000, you know, so there's there's your first reason. If you're trying to target more of an accredited investor, somebody who has sure. extra liquid capital to deploy into a into your deal, um, you might be able to find them better on LinkedIn. My personal Absolutely. opinion is you have to be on both. My personal opinion is you need to be on both. And one of the things that is in our course, and I keep bringing it up, and it's because like we're really talking about raising money. One sure. of the things in our course really will teach you how to optimize your LinkedIn. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, so that when people see it, uh, when people type up like syndicator, they find you, they don't find a hundred other syndicators. We teach sure. you how to make it. So it's like your SEO, but for your LinkedIn. And sure. so that, that's right. one of the cool strategies. And the other thing that is super important, at least in my opinion with LinkedIn mm-hmm. is just to, is just to show people what you're doing. So if they search your name, if they Google you, I want them to find my if they Google me, I want them to find my Facebook. I want them to find my LinkedIn. I'm personally not as active on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. but that's up to the person who's doing this. Right, you right. Pick, pick one and be really active on it. You don't have to do both. I don't do both. And I'm, you know, I raise as much money as I need to raise. But um, I like having a LinkedIn that's optimized where people can find me, where they, when they hop on there, there's a good smiling photo of me. Mm-hmm. There's a background photo of me. It, clearly describes that I raise equity for my deals Mm -hmm. so that when they go and search Adam Adams on LinkedIn, they easily know who I am. They can see. They don't have to go that level. They can search Adam and they'll get Adam Adams. How's that? (laughs) One, two punch, right? (laughs) I love it. And the same thing on Facebook, right? So Facebook's very personal. And that's one of the biggest things that I love about Facebook. Mm-hmm. is that I can easily share, comfortably share pictures of my kids working out at CrossFit, the mm-hmm. CrossFit kids. I can easily share pictures of my food and, and, and it's more of like get to know who I am because when I personally, when I'm raising equity, mm-hmm. people invest with me, not just because we have a track record, not just because we've closed a few deals. Sure but they invest with me because they like me and they like me because they have the opportunity to get to know who I am because I, I don't just share business right. on LinkedIn. Just me personally, it's harder for me to show my per who, my own personality sure. on LinkedIn. You can do it with videos. There's a lot of ways to do it. I'm not saying not to do it. Sure. You should um, always do something that other people are not doing. That's the best way to succeed. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. There are more ways to be right. And as you rightfully said that I think investors are always watching the integrity and the trust factor that you can bring in over time leads you to basically repeat investors or investors telling their friends that, hey, listen, I've done this with Adam. Uh, Why don't you join or just come with me, think about, you know, just sit, uh, be fly on the wall. And uh, if you like something, 
please join. If not, it's no big deal. It's no pressure. W would you agree? Absolutely. Referrals are the Huge. number one way. You, you start our first deal. You, we talked about this a bit ago. Right. We only raised like 300K. Mm -hmm. um, and so there were seven investors. So it was like averaging 50K a person. Sure. So um, on that very first deal, um, there was only seven. And, that, and, and I'll tell you, it was a struggle to close the first one sure. with just seven. How, how long did that take, the first money raise, by the way? Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> just to close the deal took nine months. Oh but the raise, uh, I think it, it took a couple weeks. But, um, but, but that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I'm sure you've been telling uh, you know, all your network that, hey, I'm doing this. Would you like something if that comes across? Uh, something like this, which actually is a good thing that you've been looking at deals and educating investors along the way. Just the fact that you can raise 300,000 just within two weeks is pretty powerful, actually. Yeah, well, these days it's a lot better than that. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, we're talking your first deals. We so. can raise maybe 500 or a million uh, by doing a webinar or two. Absolutely. I agree so. with you. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, but, okay, so that's what I think about the difference between LinkedIn and Facebook. I think you, the listener, you need to pick one, just one. There's, be on both. Have a Facebook profile, have a pretty face on it with your pearly whites. Sure. And then, uh, and the same thing on LinkedIn, have one. But then right. just pick one where you're going to add the most, uh, most of your content mm -hmm. and then use the strategies that we talked about where you are asking questions instead of telling people things, where you're using uh, organic downloaded videos, not just YouTube videos, where you're adding value instead of just you know, taking, you know, I, Hey, I want your email. Here's, if you want these 10 things, give me your email. I would much rather see you say, here's, here's three things that are going to help you if you want all 10, you know, and that now they're like, this person's adding good content. Let it's, me, worth it. it's worth it for me to, to, you know, exchange an email Absolutely. for the rest of that good content. Absolutely. Uh, Adam, I know you're a wealth of knowledge. I, I, I think we're going to do a, another segment where I want to dig in. Uh, you know, I know you're one of the top meetup experts as well. So l let me allow me to, uh, you know, host you on another segment where we dig in some of those details, right? So uh, staying on that prior topic of social media, right? So there is this notion where what you have to say on Facebook regarding syndications, you have to be creative or you have to stay in your lane correctly. Could you give us some uh, uh, tips uh, for our uh, investors as to what you can say, what you should not say on Facebook? Yeah. So with a caveat that laws change. Sure. And, and, I, and I've never been a licensed attorney. Sure. But, I, but I do uh, spend a lot of time and effort. And I have a podcast as well. And, and I bring on, you know, a lot of uh, securities attorneys to be able to just kind of ask them, I want to, I want to find out, you know, what can I do? What can I not do? So that's sure. just where this information is coming sure. from. Sure. Uh, please tell our listeners what, uh, what the name of your podcast, how they can locate it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been running the creative real estate podcast for two years sure. and um, whenever they get this, they'll see in like episode 200 and something, they will see somewhere where I share one of my multifamily podcasts. I'm, I'm going to be launching a multifamily podcast pretty soon, but the creative real estate podcast, we've given so much value on that. That's so much awesome. free content. 
That's awesome. Um, okay, so let's go right back to where we were. It was um, saying, Facebook. what can you say on social media? Right. And so, like, let me just kind of try to dissect this real fast. There's two different kinds. There's a lot more than two, but there's two main ways that you raise money legally for syndication. Mm-hmm. And that's reg D as in dog, 506B as in boy. This right. means you go with your buddies, your friends. And then there's reg D as in dog, 506C as in community, sure. where you can <clears throat> advertise out to the city, like people that you don't necessarily know. Sure. Out in the community. So if you're doing a B, here's the truth. You can't put that deal on Facebook at all. Right. Sorry, I need a cough. <coughs> Sorry, hope, hopefully you can edit that out. Yeah, sure. <laughs> all right. So B as in boy is with just your buddies. You cannot advertise this even if you have even if you're trying to tell me the only people that can look at this is my personal friends even if you're saying every one of my personal friends have met me in person even if you're trying to say that i've blocked it from showing it out to the community you're going to probably get in major trouble if you do a 506b which is what most people do Hmm. that's where you can have up to quote 35 non-accredited investors right okay if you're doing that, you're automatically breaking the law. At least that's what the last couple of attorneys told me, okay? Now, if you have a 506C, as in community or city, like actually blasting it out mm-hmm. to accredit everybody, you can share, you can talk about the opportunity literally with anyone within the, st- within the country, without, outside the country, whether they have no money, whether they're non-accredited, sophisticated, accredited, ultra-wealthy, you can share it anywhere. You can share it on the back of an airplane. You can share it on Facebook. You can share it. You can create ads for that deal. Mm-hmm. You just have to make sure that the only people that actually do invest are accredited. That's so awesome. that's, that's kind of the big difference there. And so you're asking, what can you share on Facebook? You want to be really, really cautious. Now, if you're doing 506B as in boys, you want to, you cannot, what's called generally solicit. You can't just share this stuff out at a meetup group. I've seen a lot of people making that mistake. They go to a meetup group and they say, hey, I've got a deal. You can invest in it and I can take, Ooh. don't worry if you're not accredited, you're fine. Right. No, Make that's mistake. wrong. You cannot right. do that. Right. You can only do that if it's a 506C, as in being able to advertise. Sure. Um, and so if you ever hear somebody say that they can have up to 35 non-accredited, if they ever say that, then you're, you can pretty much conclude that it's a 506B. Right. And you can pretty much conclude that they shouldn't be talking to you about it unless they have a substantial relationship with you and what that means to me and because actually every attorney is different every different attorney that i talk to is like well it needs to be a three touch rule or you need to have two phone calls or you need to at least have lunch with them once none none of those are actually true Mm -hmm. the most true thing that i can get a a commonality from uh, from my attorneys is you have to understand their financial situation intimately. You have to understand 
uh, intimate details about them. So you, it's, it's something where it's not necessarily that you met them three times or 10 times or one time. It's not necessarily how many times you talked on the phone. But if you have, a, if you have knowledge of this is what they've done in real estate. This is what knowledge they have, experience that they have. This is how much money they have to put into a deal. Once you are comfortable with that, that's when you, that's when you're uh, a 506B can happen. But again, consult your own attorney because I, I know that out of 10 attorneys, you'll get 10 answers. I know. This has been awesome, Adam. I appreciate it. And the most important fact in all of this is you're doing for the benefit of investors. You, you don't want to like come across as like, hey, you're trying to take the last dime from somebody. You, you're really not uh, you know, in the business of that. You want to make sure it's a win-win. And as you rightfully said, that you understand their financial situation. And you know, if it's a, not a right fit, he's not the investor that you should be really be in business with and perhaps, you know, uh, God forbid, uh, getting into trouble uh, down the line. So please tell our listeners how they can find you, Adam. First off, what you just said was huge. When, you, when we're talking about understanding their situation and making right. sure that they're not investing their last 50K with your deal, right. it's very important. So Absolutely. I just want, how can they get a hold of me? Um, they can just go to real bluespruce.com. That's our website for Blue Spruce Holdings. It's called real, like real estate, blue, the color and spruce, the tree.com. They can find my email. They can find the podcast. They can find the raising money secrets. Uh, they can find everything about me there. That's awesome. I appreciate you taking time uh, today, Adam. I would love to have you back on a separate segment where we dig into you know, some advanced concepts of syndication, social media, and your specialty about how we can, uh, you know, dissect and get nitty gritty about meetups and how we can enhance our business and get more uh, outreach to people. Uh, just a little bit about our podcast as well. We are premiumcashflow.com where we are discussing with multifamily uh, investments, uh, how passive investors can uh, you know, invest uh, money into these deals, uh, whether that's multifamily, self-storages, manufactured home parks. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, please reach out to us. The, uh, website is uh, www.premiumcashflow.com. Uh, there is a invest uh, with us link where you can enter your contact information and we will contact you and set up a consultation. So it's been a pleasure, Adam. Uh, thank you for taking time. I love to uh, have you back on a separate segment. Then. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you and have a good day. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest. Music